Hey, y'all. Welcome to this episode of Getting My Cheese Back on the Tracker. I'm Ashley Nicole. And I'm Paige Benjamin of Atomic Travels. And we are so happy to have y'all today. In this episode, we will be discussing relationships, the good, the bad, and then some remedies. We will delve into some of the issues that we see in the Black community when it comes to intimacy and relationships, as well as our mental health before, during, and after these ordeals. Excuse me. Um, let's meet our panel and get into it. Okay, eeny, meeny, mighty. Let's <laughs> Coach Yami, you can go first. Hi, I'm Coach Yami. I am um, a Texan living in New York. I have, uh, my passion is in coaching. I've been coaching now for about a year and a half. I, I refer to myself as a love coach. Love yourself, love your life. Um, I work with primarily women um, who are um, high, high functioning, very powerful and are looking for love. So that's uh, kind of been like my, my primary area. I have over 15 years of experience as a forensic accountant and a good three to four years of experience as a coach. So I bring those two skill sets together to dig in and, and get an understanding of you as a person. Awesome. Did we just jump on in? Yeah, right yeah. Now. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Jackie. I'm just sit here. Okay, thank you. I'm Jacqueline Jackson, um, better known as Jackie. I am the Chief Operations Officer at the New York Urban League, and I also have the pleasure of serving as the Founder and Executive Director of the Royalty Project, which is a cultural enrichment initiative um, that promotes positive self-images and self-esteem amongst youth of color. All right, uh, well, I'm Jerron. Um, my company is called Critical Hustle. I do small business coaching uh, as well as I host a podcast of several different things. Um, do a lot of different things, mainly in the business space, just really trying to help black people learn more about financial literacy. I'll say is the best way to explain it and really understanding that we have money. So don't believe the idea that we don't. But right. that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> that's the simple answer. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for introducing yourselves. Now we got the introductions out of out of the way. Um, how has your current or previous romantic relationships contributed to your overall mental health? Uh, you know, I would say that it has really enhanced my mental health and that um, going in, in relationship and my previous relationships, it brought me to a place of deeper understanding of myself. So um, I would have to say that it's a positive on in the overall scheme of things. Now, and while we were in the relationships, I don't know, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of ups and downs in terms of that mental impact. But today, I'd, I'd honestly say that overall, it's better because I'm more connected to myself. I've, I've learned myself through, through, the, through being in relationship with others. I consider myself a highly emotional person and my mental health and level of sanity are directly attached 
to the proximity of the people around me and those relationships. So if there is turmoil in any of my relationships, then I would say there is definitely turmoil in, um, in my, in my mental space and the way I acclimate to any space. And, um, it can be really challenging if I'm in a tough spot in a relationship for me to be as high in my performance level in other arenas in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the know. reverse, when I'm in love and, and things are well and things are good, then I am like, I can do it. I can do it all. So it, I would say it, it has a huge effect. And even the lack of a romantic relationship has often um, affected how I feel about just myself and my life and how things are going. So I would say for me personally, very attached. My romantic relationships um, it, in its existence and in absence of those affect how I, um, how I feel about what I'm experiencing, how I'm, how I'm experiencing the world mentally. Mm-hmm. I can say for me, peace. Um, just as a person that's go, 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 go. One of the things that I knew when it would come to finding the right person, my choice was going to be on the person who made me look up, you know, to say, let me take a break from this go, go, go mentality and look at this person and invest into them. So, I can definitely say that the last person the last person I dated is the person I married, yes, I understanding that I finally found someone that made me say, I don't need to be on such a go, go, go mentality. This is where I need to stop and find a moment of peace and tranquility. So I will say for me, it's, it's peace and looking at investing in someone else um, and not being so self-focused. Because growing up, I had a really strong sense of self. So I've always been really connected to me, but being able to take me and share with another person was always the difficult portion, mm. especially if we didn't seem to be aligned in trying to get somewhere. Right. Okay. Okay. So how do you define your relationship status, whether you're in one or not? Uh, I'm married. I'm, <laughs> I define it as married. <laughs> <laughs> Going on three years. Okay. <laughs> And and what and and what and what has that looked like for you uh, as far as being married as a status? Um, again, it's kind of a it's a weird thing to say. I don't know if anybody thinks about it this way, but being married, it's almost like the same way that they talk about. Um, Steve Jobs talks about clothes and things of that nature. Like when you don't have to think about all these other things and you really get to invest and focus your energy on one person it's better it, you you just become better it's not complicated it's i'm spending the time getting to learn one person because when you're single you're trying to figure out is this the right person how am i trying to deal with this person well maybe they're not the right person well i didn't cover it i didn't found the right person so when i when i met my mm. wife i told her my thing was i'm trying to figure out how to do 50 years I'm sure we can easily slide through two years, three years and there, but how do you get to that 50 year point? So my attitude was for better or worse, I'm going to treat you how I want to treat you in 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. So if that, if that aligns, then we should be fine. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to try and while you with over romantic gestures, I'm going to do what 
I, you know, what is within reason for me. And then when it's special, if it's special, you great, but I just want you to feel that you are loved continuously through was my approach. And I think that that helped me. So truthfully, marriage just feels like a better version of me is coming out. Oh. And That's dope. Seven more years ago. <laughs> yeah, Forty-seven more years ago. That is beautiful. <laughs> you mentioned something that was key about success in any relationship, and that's um, you said Steve Jobs kind of likened it to the how business runs. And if you have clear expectations of your role, and you you understand what is what is success in your role, and what is high performance, and what is what is um, underperforming, then you can have a blueprint to thrive. And that's in a job role, in a relationship role. If you have a clear understanding of where you stand and the direction you are moving in your relationship, and um, a united vision, then relationships can be much more successful with with that like common um, vested interest in mind. Um, my relationship status is I'm in a relationship. I have a boyfriend. We are coming up on our first year. I hate the term boyfriend, but um, like boyfriend and girlfriend, but I'm, you know, anxiously waiting to elevate to the next level. But I think we have established some great baselines for communication and um, and just kind of a, a basis of, of getting to know each other that allows us to be our best selves. I also think we complement each other very well because our strengths are very different, but our interests are aligned. So I think that's really key for relationships that you have the same interests, but not necessarily the same strengths, because if you have the same strengths, then you're not getting any more from the relationship than you would if you were by yourself. So um, the way I define my relationship with the, the fact that I know we have the same interests and we complement each other's strengths, it just gives me an added sense of calm and peace that I've added someone to my life and I've been added to his and we can add value. Um, it's more to it than, I think when you start to build a longstanding relationship, there's more to it than just the feelings behind it. It's how can you both thrive and how can you make um, your lives heightened or or raise the bar for what you're anticipating your life to be by coming together. Um, I do think that there are certain parts, and me and Yomi have had this conversation too, there are certain parts of you that you have to like dim down or dull down a little bit. So let's just say if you're by yourself, your light is at 100% capacity and um, the other person has a light that's at 100% capacity. If you are together, you would imagine that you would have 200%, but that's not the case or 200 watts or whatever it is because percentages doesn't work in that equation, but 200 watts. But really you have to sacrifice some when you're in a relationship. So you can never make it to 200 watts, but you can damn sure be at 150. So you're sacrificing, that other person is sacrificing, but that 50 is still way more than you would have been able to accomplish on your own. So although it's not the 200 that everybody expects, because you expect you put in, they put in the same amount, but no, you have to make sacrifices. You have to make compromises. You sacrifice a lot of the you for a, a, a joint we, which we know, you know, old African ancient proverb, go fast, go alone, go far, go together. So there's certain things you sacrifice by not being 
just doing it on your own, but you can get, get gather and gain so much more. Absolutely. You know, and to this point, um, one of the things I think I'm single, <laughs> I, <laughs> let me just put that out there. So I'm single and, um, and that was, you know, part of my perspective um, from bringing that into the beginning of the conversation in terms of how have my relationships impacted me. Um, you know, today I'm really clear in terms of uh, what, who I am and yeah. what I need. Um, I think oftentimes, you know, I'm pretty sure that between the five of us or three of us, we're going to have our various, um, you know, analogies and, and metaphors here. But one of the things, you know, if we're going to go back to Steve Jobs and even just at, at performance, right, it's also being really clear about what you have to offer, right, mm -hmm. and being really clear about who you are, being really clear about what you also need in return. And, you know, and, and getting beyond um, thinking, you know, like everything is a need, you, you know, you have a list, I've got a list of a hundred things. Well, maybe only 10 things on that list are actually needs and the other 90 are nice to have. And sometimes we're not sure what's what, you know? So I think oftentimes it's, it's really about getting a clear picture on what you need. Um, you know, there's squares and there are circles. And there are some people who can fit a circle into their square, but those edges are still being left out for that yeah. for, the, for the square. So you know, it, but it's it's learning how to one. You know, I think even to your point about you know pouring into each other, we have we're going to be pouring at different paces, at different at different rates, at different times in that relationship. So sometimes you might be the circle, sometimes he might be the square, and vice versa. But it's about being able to, you know, be in touch with your needs such that you know whenever you're missing them and you know how to request them, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you know how to be mindful of what other people need as well. Yeah. So with that being self said, um, when you're in, and, and I think all three of you kind of touched on this a little bit. So um, how do you define yourself within a relationship? I, I know, um, it was mentioned earlier, you know, um, identifying your strengths and your weaknesses. But when you are in a relationship, um, how do you define yourself? Um, do you find define yourself having to dim in your light for your partner? Do you find yourself having to um, redefine who you are with each relationship? Um, what does that look like for each of you? Because, you know, in some relationships, you could be the toxic one or, um, you can be the one bringing things to a a common ground where, you know, there's one person that's high energy, another person that's low energy. Um, mm. You know, how do you guys find yourselves within your relationships? Mm. So I think I can answer that question by saying that it really is dependent on the relationship how I view myself might not be different from relationship to relationship. And my core values might not be different from relationship to relationship, but who I show up as is slightly dependent on that partner. Um, you know, if it is somebody who is a very big personality, um, mm. I'm, I am, you know, a big personality, but I'm also kind of cool with just falling back. So with that person, I might be a great audience member. 
And then there are other people where, you know, I, I, I'm going to be on the stage in that and I'm gonna need them to support me in that way. So um, it really just kind of depends on the nature of the relationship or the nature of the partnership. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it, 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 and I think it kind of requires that to some degree because each of these relationships that we, we're forming are very individual contracts, so to speak. So as you're connecting with one person and you're making your needs known and they're making their needs known, there will be some adjustments. Yomi, I agree with you a lot in that, but I would also say for myself, I've had so many evolutions in across the span of my adulthood. And then also some of them were parallel to the relationships I existed in. So meaning like um, there was a point in my, in my first very long-term relationship where I relaxed my hair. I worked for a certain company. I lived a certain lifestyle and, and there, there was a, a different version of me than there is today. Mm. Now I have locks and I, you know, um, put on a significant amount of weight and, um, I orient myself. I live in Harlem and I, you know, I have a little bit more money to spend. So I travel more often. Like there, there, there have been evolutions of me that, made me different and mm. made me bring different things to the relationship. And then also my most recent, um, I had the, I had the experience of going through a program called momentum education. And there were a lot of things about vulnerability that came up in momentum education. And prior to that, prior to that, I didn't think I valued vulnerability. I think I was on the side of those people that thought vulnerability was weakness. And, um, especially for men, so I think there now that I've gone through that process and and understand the value through vulnerability comes innovation and creativity and 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 growth like you can't grow without being vulnerable. So now I value things differently than I did in past relationships. So I think I think it's it's twofold. I think I I approach relationships sim similar to Yomi. If there's a person that's dominant in a degree, then I might fall back to do a degree on something that I may be more dominant in another relationship. But there's also the fact that I'm changing and and my evolution puts me in a different form of how I can relate to others. Mm -hmm. I think for for me. I can I can agree and see where, where what you both are saying. I think my approach to relationships has always been add value. Um, at least for me is I think to to use the term contractual, you know, the the relationship aspect of two people coming together in any form, there is a portion of well, am I going to add value to this relationship? Um, I personally don't know if I dim down any uh, as much as I'm like, hey, who you are and who I am, are we going to work? You know, you kind of get to look at that from the introduction there. And, you know, in environments, of course, somebody has to shine in, in particular environments. But in the nature of the relationship, it's more so I think of things like if I'm if I'm shining here, to your point earlier, I want to be able to say, I see something in you that can shine here as well. So let me help you find what that is that where you shine. Um, so that's the beginning of it. I've always kind of approached relationships also with the thought process of 
I don't want to leave anybody more damaged than they were damaged when we got started. Um, and that's just something that since I was probably like 15, you just start realizing that we all have our damage. I don't want to be the chain where it was like, well, when I dated Jerron, he was this guy. At least if we don't work out, B, when I dated Jerron, he was a good guy. We just didn't work at that time. And then you go discover whatever you discover because I'm going to go discover whatever I need to discover. But those have always been the two things that I've looked at as being how I need to function in relationships. Because we'll figure each other out. And if we're going to grow together, we're going to grow. Mm-hmm. But I never wanted anybody to not shine because part of what brought me to you was I saw something in you. And maybe it's not it's not showing right now for whatever reason, but let's go ahead and mine together and figure out where that is. Because, um, again, using my wife as the example, because previous relationships got me to the point where I knew what conversations I wanted to have. And I told her, I said, look, I'm looking for Michelle Obama, not a lawyer. But at some point, this black man rolled over and said, I am think I'm going to run for president. And she said, OK, let's do it. Not well, you know, these different things. And my thing was that should be the exchange. The exchange should be, if you have a dream, I'm gonna sit there and talk to you about how to figure it out. We know all the obstacles are gonna be there, but let's see if we can figure it out. Where are we at now reasonably? So kind of that partnership has always been what I look for in relationships. So when that's not reciprocated, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't really think this is gonna work. And then what I've learned in age is, get out now versus when you're younger, you're like, well, maybe I give it a little bit longer, maybe, maybe, and then you go down this path and you're like, I'm, and I told my wife this, I'm the person that's like, I'll go for a long period of time. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? This is not gonna work. And then I have nothing to talk about. Like I've pretty much had the full conversation waiting to see something happen and it doesn't happen. So now I've learned as I've gotten older, have the conversations, talk it out. When you see it early, let's just discuss it. If we can work it out now, we'll figure it out. Again, I'm looking at 50 years. Like, I wasn't looking for 50 years the whole time, so I took it as it came. Jerron, I think that's the fundamental difference between men and women, particularly Black men and women. I think men, Black men don't ever think about having to dim their light. And I think powerful, assertive um, Black women who take initiative often have to think that. And the example that you brought up is a great example. Michelle Obama was an accomplished attorney. And when her husband decided to run for office, she decided to stop practicing. So men often don't have to think about how do I dim my light or what do I need to do for my wife or my girlfriend or whoever it is to shine? It's just essentially we don't you know, we don't have to think about it. Men don't have to think about it as often as women do. And then you also brought up a great point about having to add value. Let's Jack, Jackie, let's, let's, let's dissect that a little bit. Um, I just want to make sure that we understand Can you define what dimming your light is? Because I think it may be defined differently for different people. Right. So when you're talking about dimming your light, so you're saying that um, Michelle Obama stopping her practice to support um, President Obama was her dimming her light to ensure that he succeeded in his endeavor? That he shines brighter. Essentially, as a couple, they'll shine bright because she wouldn't have been first lady without him becoming president. So eventually, and in her book tour and all these other things, she would not have had that same visibility. But in order for them to get there as a couple, she had to push back on her endeavors to support his. 
So dimming their light is a is is as I'm using it is a term that's like um, falling back on your ambition, your personal ambition, or your professional ambition to support your relationship or support your husband, significant other's ambition. And so you don't think men do that for women? I don't think it happens as often. I'm not going to say 100%, but I don't think it happens as often. I think women, particularly Black women, do it more often than Black men do, much more often. Can I ask a question to that? Yeah. yeah and, and, the re and the reason why is because I, I get the sentiment, but I always look at it as how you choose the person that you choose to be with. Like, when it comes to my wife, I'm 100% go on all her endeavors. No matter what I'm doing, I tell her out the gate, if we're going to be multimillionaires, it's going to be based off what you're doing. My job is to sit back and I'm going to help you get there. I was like, now, with that being said, I tell all the time, I'm a horrible business partner for you. Like, I'm way too aggressive. But as your husband, I will support you. If you need me to go do something, I'm 100% to do it. I'll move my things around for her because to that point, I don't want her to dim. Like, I'm like, like I said, when I met her, I saw something in her and I said, part of my responsibility, if this is the person I have in my life, is help her get where she needs to get to. Because I know me. I'm going to go do what I got to do to get where I want to get to, but I'm not going to drag somebody along and I don't want to be drugged. So either we got to get there together and you build that relationship. You know, I think about Stedman and Oprah. You, you don't see either of them necessarily dimming their light for the other person. They I, wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with that. I would well, disagree I, with that. Well, what I'm saying is we don't know a lot about Stedman, but Stedman is yeah. highly accomplished in his field for what right. he does. And, so, and, and to that point, and I think so to, let, to your point is, so, so the reason why I'm kind of focusing on this is we, we, as a community, we really need to be careful with our words, right? Um, our words are powerful. Our words trigger um, different psychological um, responses, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, to say one is dimming their light or um, not shining, it, it heeds that... Um, you know, one person is is involuntarily, right? Um, doing something that they really don't want to do for the sake of the other person. That's um, not how I described and, it. And, and that's so, not how no, I would no, explain one, one it at all. One second. But, but the thing is, in, in the context of the term, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that for, for people to support one another's agendas, Something has to stop. I don't think it's a dimming of a light, right? Um, to say it is. That it's not a turning off of a light, but it is a dimming. And even if it's a 10%, 20% dim, it's a dimming. It's not a turning off. It definitely isn't a turning off. But you definitely have to make some sacrifices and not and and not go as full force as you would if you weren't a part of a team. Like you can't I think sacrifice is probably a better term than dimming one's light. Um, because dimming one's light meaning you have to lessen yourself for the next for the other person. Essentially, that is the I'm I'm saying exactly how I mean. I do mean dimming my light. I do that in my current relationship. I know many women that do that in their current relationships. It is a dimming of a light. It's not. It's and, and it and not in a negative. Not in a negative term. Not like turning it off. Not like half capacity. But you you're not as bold. You're not as you're not as out there like there. You don't make unilateral decisions. There are 
There are sacrifices you make to be a part of a whole, to be a part of a relationship, to be a part of a team, to be a part of anything. There's a part of you that has to pull back in order for you to exist in this group, team, partnership, duo, whatever it is. So, so that means both parties are dimming their lights for one Absolutely. another. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. However, but, but, however right. I will say this. Um, so one, I, I would even want broaden Jackie's definition of dimming light because uh, what I heard was more or less limited to professional career and ambitions. I think also dimming of light can happen just in personality and social settings, right? So mm -hmm. just to allow that person, that man more often than not to, to be elevated in some way. Now, whenever we say this, to be crystal clear, of course, we're talking about a relationship. It's two people in the relationship. Some, there's going to be give and take. But if we're being realistic about societal expectations, and I'm not saying, oh, everybody has to do what everybody else is doing, we can all be incredibly special on this phone. However, the reality of it is that more often than not, the expectation is that a woman dim her light whatever yeah. that may be, whether she is quieter, whether she is less gregarious, whether mm -hmm. she is less ambitious, whether mm -hmm. she is less personable, the expectation is that it is the male in the relationship who will take on those, take on those personality attributes. That, and so more often than not, whenever it shows up in a woman, it's problematic. Oh. Okay, I, Rhonda. I, I, throw this okay. thought out there. Rhonda, before you, uh, before you uh, said, I just want to chime exactly. in. The comment from the uh, from the audience, and I did mm -hmm. want to jump in. I see what Jackie's saying because, as women, especially like I can only speak on behalf of Black women, and as a Black woman, from the time that I was old enough to not be fast to be considered uh, <laughs> a relationship. Uh, I've been preached to, you gotta do this, this, and this until you find a husband. Right. So, uh, subconsciously, we're all, we're, we're kind of like, it's beaten to us just about that when you get a husband, you have to stop, or when you're in a relationship, you have to stop doing these things. Mm -hmm. So when Jackie says that we have to dim our lights, um, in a relationship, while it can be seen as negative or it can feel like a personal attack because everybody's dimming and everybody's sacrificing, we have literally been taught that we are supposed to dim our lights. We're not supposed to be the uh, founder of the Royalty Project and <laughs> we're not supposed to be running a talk show. I'm supposed to be trying to uh, find somebody to marry me and have children or I'm not supposed to be doing these things because I need to be ready to support my man in whatever it is he's doing so he can like be the best at doing it. So it's not a defensive kind of like everybody got to dim their light. We're just saying we have to dim our lights. Right. And I think what Rhonda said is key. It just it just popped off. But okay. in order. OK. And that's what allows the couple as a whole to thrive as a cohesive unit. Mm -hmm. Each one of us has to pull back. But just to be honest. Women have to pull back more or are expected to pull back more. Well, that kind of leads to my question. Because mm -hmm. I agree I agree with what you guys are saying completely. What I wonder is how far are we away from partnership? Like a certain level where 
it's not about the expectation. It's more so just what you bring into it. Because I agree with you. I agree with you 100% that the stigma that exists that are put on women is that you have to be second. Even when you're when you've moved, made the moves to be first or equal or however you want to narrate it. But there's a point where we have to start looking at what can we do to institute to eliminate that narrative? Because honestly, the reason why I am the way I am with my wife is because I didn't want her to feel that way. You know, like I look at it like if there is a power couple, we're a power partnership, you know, like forget couple. It's a partnership, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's it's a matter of if you my wife bakes, if you want to be Rachel Ray or whoever you want to be, that is wonderful. You go be Rachel Ray. I want to go be Jay-Z or whatever, you know, like let's go figure that. Let's go figure these things out together. So we have to get to the same level. So I think that there's a responsibility in the person that you choose as a partner that they shouldn't allow, for lack of a better term, to feel like you have to pull back. So, you know, of course, social media. What you said is key. It's one, choosing the right person that you can be yourself with and you don't have to dim as much. Two, it's also once you're in that relationship, not saying this is the standard of what women are supposed to be like, and this is the standard of what men are supposed to be like, and this is the cookie cutter relationship. Rather than that, you actually set the rules and you set the tone in your own relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key. That is key. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so you, you, you brought up a good point, and, but it's, it's something that I actually want to and we would like to end the episode with, which is the question you ask is, how do we get to that point? Um, but I want to kind of move forward and, you know, um, didn't mean to belabor that point. But it, no, 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 it was good. We, to, had to, we had to get it great, out. It's great to have um, gotten that conversation. Um, I want to follow up with this. We're in a time of Corona, right? Um, Rona, the the panini, like Ashley would say, um, you know, panini. What, ro- panini. what role did the what role did COVID have in your relationships? Um, the good, the bad, the ugly, and um, yeah, go go there. Well, my relationship started at the beginning of the pandemic. And so the courtship process was very different than any other relationship that I've been in. So it wasn't, let's go out on a few dates, let's hang out, let's go to a restaurant, let's go weekend somewhere. Let's, it wasn't that, it was, it was less talk on the phone. Um, I think that was great in terms of like an establishment of, of core communication. And then let's do things that are simple pleasures, like take a walk in the park go over by the pier, let's take a long drive. So I think the pandemic in terms of starting a relationship um, was very different, but but actually ended up for me, a, a, a different experience that led to a better understanding quicker of the, the relationship that I was starting or the person in the relationship that I was starting. And then maneuvering um, through the pandemic and not being able to travel as often or be in spaces with large amounts of people or connect with family and friends the same way. I think um, my current my current relationship has experienced, he has experienced me in a way that no other man has experienced me and that I'm a social person. 
And I am very connected to my friends and my family. And before the pandemic, I was out all the time and, and inviting lots of people over all the time. So I think he got to experience me in a more intimate space because of the pandemic. Um, and I also think because he didn't have a, a basis for comparison, there was no, oh, this is who you were and now this is who you really are. Like we got down to the raw of it in the very, very early stages of our relationship. So there was no flip in the pandemic. Now we are, as we start to gain some different normalcy in terms of how we can be out and then hopefully getting the vaccine and being able to do more things, we'll see how things are on the other side. But for, for me and my relationship, I think we were able to get to know each other faster and build a better basis for communication and understanding because we were isolated or quarantined or not able to conduct our affairs the way we normally would BC before Corona. Um. I'll say for me, or for us, it was really getting used to space. Like you, you're, we ended up buying a house and I think a lot of it was because we were in an apartment together. So <laughs> it, it, it was getting used to the fact of one, I no longer have a commute to work. I was work, I'm working from home. So in that amount of time with, with my wife, it was now there's no commute. So it's, I get off work and now we're immediately having a conversation. Um, it's lunchtime. We're having a conversation. So, you know, you're spending all this time together and you're having conversations, but you can't be like, what'd you do today? I know what you did today. You were sitting in the other room. <laughs> you know, even, even when she's working, like I hear her meetings, she hears my meetings. Um, so I think, I think what really happens is you kind of decide how you really feel about each other there because, there's no gap anymore. You know, there's yeah. no hour long commute. There's no, let me kind of just unwind from work. So I might get off and I'm mad about something at work and either she's going to hear about work or it's going to be a trigger to trigger me into thinking about something else. Or maybe I'm going to sit here and do the dishes for an hour and just not talk. I had to learn how to communicate that. Like, right. you know what? I just not right now. Give me, let me, let me do, let me sit here uh i'm a guy let me play the xbox give me like an hour <laughs> let me let me just do something that is not related to me at work or me the husband and finding that personal space that's yeah. probably the um that's probably the only hard part about it but i think that we got better communicating with each other you know mm -hmm. in in that space because like i said when you afraid to go outside and you're inside the house you got to start figuring out, well, what are we going to learn or what are we going to figure out? Because we can't play board games all day long and you don't really have space for an argument. You know, you can't really go cool off. So when you have that conflict, you're pretty much looking each other in the face or going to another room until you figure it out. And at a certain point, you still got to go to bed. So yeah. um, I think the role that Corona played was really just letting us age our marriage some. You know, the things that I guess newlywed couples take five and six years to figure out. I think we kind of yeah. fast forward it maybe to five five years of where you're at there. So we didn't really have that two year bump that people mm -hmm. always talk about you run into. Um, yeah, our two years was Corona. We had to cancel trips and then it was just like, where are we going to go? And YouTube became our friend of just watching that. And I will tell any couple that's watching Amazing Race 
is the best thing you can watch with your significant other because you get to talk about your whole relationship issues as well as look at traveling where you're gonna go when the pandemic ends. So that's just that was that's kind of how we dealt with it a lot. Noted. Good tip. Yeah, I can see that as you're as you're observing it on other people, you're like, why would you handle that? Right. <laughs> exactly. Because they fight like they fight like you better not ever talk to me like that. Like I don't talk like that. I don't even know how that's gonna work. I leave that million sitting right there. <laughs> well, I'll say as a single person, I can really relate to what Jackie said in terms of the quality connection or uh, um, you know be able to sift through a little bit easier that you're home dating you know it was never like I wasn't somebody who dreaded it and so whenever I looked at corona I was you know freshly single kind of going into corona so at first I was dreading the idea of oh my god I'm gonna be single during a pandemic but the reality of it was I mean it, it actually led to some really great connections I mean there are a couple of people that I met that I actually just kind of transitioned into friends. I don't know that people necessarily want to hear that, but it was <laughs> lovely to be able to, you know, talk to people. And, um, you know, just even if I'm talking about my relationships in general, you know, it really cut out the fluff, you know, mm -hmm. where I was able to get connected to people in my life that, you know, were always there, but we weren't as intentional. And so it brought about a lot of intention in every one of my interactions, yeah. uh, making sure. And it, and it just kind of made me value those connections and value those relationships, particularly whenever you can't see people, whenever you're away. So, um, I mean, for me, it, it brought about a lot of intentionality. Oh. Ooh, magic. <laughs> magic. <laughs> <laughs> We can't hear you, Paige, or I can't. I don't know if anybody else can. Hey, it's Ashley Nicole. I appreciate y'all for listening, and hopefully you're all getting your, keeping your cheeses on your crackers. I'm dropping in on this episode to give you some goodies. Have you been wanting to get into the podcast game and don't know where to start? I got you. I have answers. If you haven't already heard about Anchor by Spotify, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor has everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Let me say it again um, in case you missed it. Everything that you need to make a podcast is conveniently in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Free 99, zero dollars, zero cents. So go ahead and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started now. I can't wait to listen to your podcast too. All right. I think he's back. Okay. Yep. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, so as far oh, <gasps> he's gone. He's back. He's back. Technically. Oh no. Okay. So, um, 
I'm going to go ahead and remove them. So Paige is technical issues. He'll be right back. Okay. He uh, had a uh, had a trip, and he's look. Fortunately, he's tuning in with us, but he's having some issues. Um, we did discuss as far as uh, Corona and your relationships. Um, also, in this part of the conversation, each one of um, us, each one of you, have mentioned different stages before and after your current relationships or in your singleness. Uh, Yummy. Yeah, um, I'm single too. Uh, <laughs> When you realize that you had to make these changes, especially before you got into a romantic relationship or even getting out of whatever uh, relationships you were in, when did you recognize that you needed to make a change? Like, when did you say, okay, I'm doing, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm gonna be moving on to uh, doing this. When covenants are broken. So, um, I know we were talking about this early, Jerron, when we were saying like, what makes your relationship different or how can we, what's the result for dimming your light and all those things? You make covenants, you make agreements with the person that you're in partnership with, just like any other partnership. And when those covenants are broken um, and the trust is gone and it's damaged beyond repair, then it's, it's really just time to leave for me. So, and I know, you know, there's some people that's like, oh, if a person cheats then I'm leaving, or if a person, you know, um, lies and I'm leaving, mine is not as clear cut as that. It's like when I feel like I'm alone in this relationship or I'm better off being alone than being in this relationship, then that's my cue to leave. Mm -hmm. I would say for me, it's whenever contempt enters the relationship, mm -hmm. whenever we move from complaining to criticizing, you know, that, and I always say it happens when I know it's ha a problem is when it happens on vacation. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you can't get along in paradise, on a vacation, right. there's a problem. Right. <laughs> and I know, like, in, in some ways, there's just the, oh, you know, you should have stopped to ask the guy for directions. And mm. you can fuss about that. And that's a yeah. complaint. But whenever it becomes, see, you never know where you're going. You never listen. And mm. that's the criticism, right? And then from there, you know, you, I can argue back and forth about why I didn't stop or why we didn't stop, whatever. But if I never listen, there's only so far we can go. Yeah. You know, so, so for me, it's kind of like whenever contempt or It is present. Did anybody else lose Yami's the last part of what she was saying, or was it just me? It cut no, out. I think she cut out. Uh oh. Hello? Yami, you there? Yes. Okay. okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, yeah. So, just, I mean, what you move around, the way that you move around getting. It's, it becomes difficult to get beyond contempt and criticism mm -hmm. because those are the things that start to break you down, you know? So I think that, uh, that, that for me is the, a, a sure sign of, you know, I'm going to move around in a relationship. Now, if we're just starting to date, if you don't laugh at my jokes and you don't ask me how my day is going. It's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, now, that, are, your, are your jokes funny? That's 
Are your jokes funny? That's a big question. Right? It don't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just laugh. Uh, you guys must not know me that well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know. Okay. Yeah. Jerome, when, when do you walk out? When is when is enough enough for you? And you like it's over. Um. So here's the hard part about that. Well, well, let me, let me, let me not, I'm not saying over, right? What I'm saying is course correction. So the, the that idea That wasn't the here, original question. I would have answered it much differently if it was course right, correction. Right, so you're... <laughs> the, of course you're all, so, <laughs> I think it's both parties. I, I think it's that the question was originally for, at what point do you find that there needs to be a change in the relationship for the better, right? Because I think sometimes... Um, and this goes, this, this kind of followed the Corona question because, um, I think you mentioned earlier, you guys are running out of space and you realize you needed more space, right? Um, those are kind of the things that I was talking about, not necessarily end the relationship. You guys oh. are quick to end the relationship. I see. No, actually <laughs> ask the question. Yeah. When, when do you... When's the relationship <laughs> over? She said you that. You stop doing this and stop you were gone. You don't know. Like yeah, okay. no, no, I uh, really question. I said, how do you recognize when there needs to be changed? Like, when did you recognize that you needed to change? Like, in a previous relationship when it was over, in your current relationship, what made it different? When it was over, that's what we heard. Yeah, that's what I heard. How but, you know when okay. it's over? It's really a I was going to say, because okay. those are two different answers, honestly. Yeah, right. um, yeah they are. They are. <laughs> so I don't even know what question to answer, but I'll try and answer both. Um, so within marriage, or prior to being married to my wife, I think it was just understanding that she was worth the investment of time. Like in me taking the time to better myself with her or be you know because being in a relationship is being patient with each other you're getting to know another person um prior to that i see we started i've got to start thinking about dates uh it's probably been 10 years since i had like a quote-unquote like girlfriend um mm -hmm. my tolerance level is really short so and my wife didn't understand this but i was like i usually could tell within probably a 30-minute conversation if we were moving towards forever or right now like are we are we just this moment in time or are we looking for yeah because i mean i i have really deep conversations as soon as possible like i want to know how you think because how you think is going to tell me what arguments we're going to have how we're going to function and how we're going to go from there when i was younger i didn't know how to have those conversations so again you're younger so you stay in that that toxicness longer trying to figure out when is it time to go and i'm gonna be honest with you at 23 24 i didn't know when to go um i would be in there until just i couldn't take it anymore and i was yeah. like i'm not being me but once that relationship ended oh yeah i was good 30 minutes um my wife is gonna kill me for saying this this way but i tell it to her the same way well no it's just honest i'm like i went to i grew up in i went to christian schools as a kid they teach you date with a purpose once I let dating with a purpose go and like, let's just date, let's just find out, are we going to be dating for a month, three or four days? Like, what is our timeline here? Until I find somebody that I want to sit there and say, I want to stop what I'm doing 
and take the time to see how far can we go. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm good with, you know what? This ain't going to work. She a little bit too crazy for me. All right. Thank you for your time. You should go find whatever it is you're looking for because I'm not it. And I would tell women, like, I'm not who you're looking for. I can treat you nice. I'll treat you respectful. But I'm not what you're looking for. So, no, we will not be in a relationship. Deal with that as you may. Like, that was my attitude towards it. So, for 10 years, it really wasn't a lot of investment of me personally into people. If they didn't meet that criteria early, it was like, our time is our time. Or as Jay would say, love me with your mind and not your heart. Like, that was kind of my approach towards it. Like, let's enjoy this time together. And when it's over, you go your way, I'm going to go my way. But we're all clear on what we were doing in that process. Oh, the luxuries of a cognitive thinker. <laughs> it's so much harder when, when feelings are involved and emotions are involved. And I don't want to use this question as a, or that answer is like a male-female thing. Just a, a person that, that is guided by their heart versus a person that's guided by their mind. It's so easily said, but it's not like, we like to think that we're cognitive beings, but really we are emotional beings that on occasion think. It's just not that, it's not well, that clear cut. Well, let me say this. So, and it me, may, it, but you know what, Jerron, it may be for you because the numbers are different. The numbers ain't even. Well, what it's I'm a lot is, more eligible it, women than there are eligible men. It, it wasn't so much that, but I was leading with my heart. My thing was, I know my heart's not in it. And the thing that I learned early was if you tell a person up front exactly what it is, then it allows for them to make decisions. So I didn't allow for them to be heart led because I would have that engagement immediately. The minute that a conversation starts going, wouldn't it be nice if we had kids? No, it wouldn't. We're not going to do that. And, and, you know, I was like, and it's not, and my thing is people look at that as being mean, but my thing was, why would I lead you down a path that I'm not willing to go? Like, look at the other man nodding. <laughs> this is this is not how real life works. Well, no, you know what it is. Men, <laughs> it's not because men even don't. Even if you tell, even if you say clearly to somebody, this is what it is. This is what the relationship is. If your actions are different than that, or if their thoughts are different than that, then the what you're saying is not their reality. But you talked. But that's my whole point. You, I had full conversations with what you can say. Hey, ma, this is just a sexual relationship. That's it. We're not doing anything else but that. But if a woman that you're with and you spend time with and you do things with thinks something other than that, then guess what it is for her? Not I just a sexual relationship. Well, see, that's the mistake. I that's the mistake guys make. Him until he falls in love. That's the mistake guys make. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. He just don't know. He, he doesn't know any better. That's right. Cool. You saying what you're saying, that's great. And a lot of people say things in the first whatever time period is, is new and we all acknowledge that. Corona speeded things up for all all stages of relationships, but whatever that time period is that things are introductory and new, there's a lot of things that are said that are not continued in the rest of the relationship or not acted out or not produced moving forward. Consistency. It just it just it's not always that clean. It's not always I said this, so we do this, or well, I, I I structure it this way, so this is how we live it out. It's not that clean. I think it's about consistency. The problem with guys is guys don't maintain consistency, like. Well, like I, I wasn't I mean, gonna like, say it, but I'm glad you did. No, like I take full responsibility, but I understood that because you make mistakes when you're young. So as you get older, you start realizing that, like, look, to your point, yes, there are more single women than there are men. However, like I said, I don't want to leave anybody more damaged than what they came in with. So I maintain a level of consistency so you know what to expect because what women respond to is the consistency. 
it's like like you said, if they're doing these different things, then you're going to feel this way no matter what I'm saying. But if right. my actions and everything, and no, it wasn't like, hey, we're just going to have a sexual relationship. Because my thing is, no, that doesn't, that's going to lead me down a path that I don't necessarily want to go down with you in terms of the emotional side of it. But sitting there having a person clearly decide what they're looking for and say, hey, you know what? Call me when you bored. And I had those conversations. Like, so, if you just want to go hang out, call me. So, I'm not for dating. <laughs> so this actually this actually takes us into the next the next part of this conversation. Um, and I'm glad you, you all actually brought it up. Um, is communication, right? Um, so Ashley, do you want to kind of get that started? Yeah, it's my turn. Okay, y'all. So <laughs> Um, so basically for this uh, segment, we want to move into this area uh, where we kind of talk about what role does communication and timeliness play in a romantic relationship for y'all? Define timeliness. Um, kind of like what Jerome was just saying, um, when you meet, when is the time, like when you first met your, uh, your current partner, um, when did you guys say, um, so I want to be together for like, I, I love you. Like, uh, when did you start making those plans for not the immediate future? Like mm. how long did, I know that Corona played a, a role, but how long into a relationship do you start moving to like that next level? And what does the communication look like? Mm. Well, I, I can tell you my story. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, you know, we, we were married within three and a half months. Well, I'd say four months of dating seriously. Now we'd known each other for about 20 years and we, you know, started talking to each other again for a good eight months. And then we started dating four months and then we got married. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say that time. I think maybe time would have more time could have given me more perspective. But I also think that that is very individual. You know, I don't necessarily think that uh, time is 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 time is not, not a guarantee of ha happiness, and a lack of time is not a guarantee of unhappiness. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> um, in communication, I think this kind of goes to Jerron's point um, where he was saying be, being up front in the beginning, you know, I, I was clear that I was not interested in being anybody's girlfriend. Uh, so <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. I'm not doing this anymore. And so whenever we, um, you know, got together, that was uh, something that I, I made very clear that, you know, I wasn't going to do a long term relationship while we figure it out for years. Um, so, I mean, I was, I was clear on what my expectations were. Um, I mean, now I wasn't expecting four months either, but, <laughs> but I think, <laughs> but I do think that, you know, letting, you know, being, being upfront with what you need and what, what you're expecting for yourself for, and for the, where you think the relationship is going. I just think we don't have, um, so I think we have like, some power as when we have power in the beginning, right? I, I think we have like selection power and power on um, 
if we are ready to make it to certain stages. But in terms of how the, the trajectory of the relationship and changing the titles or the levels of relationship, I think that's all the, the man's ownership, responsibility. I don't want to use responsibility. That's like, it's his decision to make. So I can slow down okay. a relationship, but I can't speed up a relationship. I can tell you what I want, but I can't make it happen. Like he's he's the one that makes it happen. Um, in right. terms of milestones within a relationship. And, and you know what, with that said too, there are a lot of things that in, in initially we hold back on. Like we set our standards. We're like, like this is what we want in the beginning. And, and, you know, because we know in the long stretch of it, who's going to be pouring into the relationship more is the female. So we set all these, these guidelines in the beginning in order to try to get the most of it to move forward. But we know the female is going to pour more emotion, more hard work, more generally speaking into the relationship. It's just generally speaking the way the relate the way relationships go. We are the nurturer and we tend to do the nurturing for the duration. But in terms of the milestones, and I think a lot of us were told, you know, don't do this first, don't do this first because um, then a man will think he got you or whatever. So don't say I love you first or, you know, don't pay for the first date or don't pay for any dates or don't, you know, like we're we're told to hold back, like hold back, hold back, because in the long run, you're going to be given more. Yeah. Um, and, and the personalize it in my personal relationship, um, because of the, the how we approached the relationship, all those rules were out of the window, like all those rules were gone. Like we went straight from strangers to diving deep into the soul of the in the other person. It was no like, let's have this candy coated moment. There was not that. It was like, let's just, who are you, who am I? Let's get it together, let's figure it out. And then we could, we could take this forward. And for the first time, I said, I love you first. For the first time, um, you know, I was I was vulnerable and exposed very, very early. Um, but I do know even with that, I don't set the pace of my relationship. My significant other still sets the pace on when we move from what stage, from one stage of a relationship to the next. So I, I agree with you, Jackie. There, um, I will say this. I don't think I found technically success until you get rid of all of those those concepts like the preconceived notions of how a relationship is supposed to go or you know whatever roles whatever roles people decide they want to take on um i will say this i'm probably off on a timeline but for me and my wife i think i knew she was special within like two weeks two or three weeks and and i and i say this because when we met i hated my job and we had just met I quit, like, I literally just quit my job. I was like, you, like, we were talking to each other. It was a Friday. I was like, you know what? I had it. I'm out. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, I just met this girl. She's got, like, a career. She's great. What is she going to think? I'm going to just be this dude with no job. Like, that was part of my initial thought. And then, like, 30 seconds later, I was like, who cares what she thinks? I got to go find a job. Like, it, it immediately switched back to that for me. And what I did differently was I told her, 
when I told her I quit my job, I said, listen, I quit my job. But, you know, my first thought was, what are you going to say? And then I got over it. <laughs> and, and she was like, she was like, that makes sense. And for me, because that was her response of understanding that it wasn't a slight towards her. It was more about the fact that I got responsibilities I got to take care of. How you feel we just met. It doesn't matter. And she didn't argue, wasn't a fight. That actually let me know. I was like, you know what? This might be something. We ended up starting our dating, like a couple, like I asked her to be my girlfriend as if we were 14. You did? <laughs> about, yeah. It was about, because I knew that for me to have relationships, I didn't have short relationships. So I was always very hesitant about this official thing. So it was about a month. Like the date was October 18th, but it was about a month. Um, you know the day? Yeah, yeah, I always remember the day. Because <laughs> it wasn't, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. For everything that I'm saying, like, that was a monumental moment for me to sit there and say, I want to be in a relationship with this person. Because going into that relationship, I knew that if I'm in this relationship, this is a good chance this is the person I'm going to marry. Because if not, I'm not doing this yeah. again. Like, I'm, I was fine with how my life was prior to. I didn't go into it thinking, I'm looking for a wife or I'm looking for this. It just, it happened how it was supposed to happen. So she said, like I said, her early responses to conversations that we had fit perfectly to me of this is the person I want to have as a partner. How she thinks is how I want us to build together. And we'll figure out whatever obstacles come because the hardest thing for me was I quit a job. I hate quitting. So I'm feeling bad about quitting. I'm mm -hmm. thinking about the stigma of being, you just met me and I'm a black dude <laughs> without a job. I just quit my job and met you. Like all these things hit me. And so I thought about that. And then I was like, that's not me being me. I don't care what she has to say about this. I got to pay my rent, you know? And then I said, you know what? I'm going to tell her and see what she says. That was like the only time I think I've ever tested her to find out what response she had because right. she had to say, what you mean? You don't care about what I think. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to y'all right now. We wouldn't even, we probably wouldn't have made it past that conversation because my thing was, if you don't understand that my mind goes into provision, how I think about providing for myself is how I have to think about providing for you. So her exact words were, we haven't even known each other that long. So you seem like you will figure it out. You seem like you have a plan because I had a plan. Mm -hmm. And by us being able to have that conversation early, it led me to the path of let me spend more time. Let's have conversations. Mm. And then once we got became a couple, a whole bunch of other stuff happened. I think they helped solidify that nature. But I always tell her the the day I asked her to be my girlfriend was the day that I figured she was going to be the woman I married. I just wanted to make sure everything else kind of lined up and I was in the right place to be a husband. That's a whole nother conversation. Like mm -hmm. I was being a boyfriend. I didn't know if I was necessarily ready to be a husband and my life wasn't reflecting husband like I don't have a job. I don't, you know, these different things there. Actually, I just started my job at that point once we got together. Mm -hmm. So I think to that point, as far as timeliness goes, as a guy, so like you said, about having control, we're waiting for that trigger to be pulled. There's some, every guy, I don't care what they say, they're waiting for some signal that mm. they don't know that they haven't told the woman to happen to make that trigger to say, you know what? She might be the one. We won't be sure. <laughs> but we'll be like, she might be the one. And what I will tell everybody here is the guy that proposes to you, he spent three months prior to that making sure he was making the right decision. <laughs> like, that's just what it is. He spent three months prior to asking you 
debating if he was making the right choice. Not about if he loved you, not about any of that. He was just like, am I ready to do this? Because yeah. I think he's the one, but am I ready? And then you get through that whole point, and then they finally go by a ring. Mm. But it's, it's a thought process. It's the one time that guys really do think every possible scenario out and figure it out. Um, communication is the most important thing in any relationship, period. Um, I'm learning to get better at it as a guy, to your point earlier about vulnerability. Like, mm -hmm. I grew up in Los Angeles in the 90s. Like, I'm crying mm -hmm. is not something that, right. that, that we're not from. I'm, I, well, let me, I'll be more specific. I grew up in Compton in the 90s. So wow. I, I tell my wife all the time, based off the music and the environment, I'm kind of surprised to be married. But mm. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm happy to be here. So you, you heal and you learn through different things. And what I'll say is that the communication aspect is learning to be vulnerable and being able to say, this is what's bothering me. And I don't know how to fix it. You know, like that, that's yeah. one of the hardest things for guys honestly to say i don't know how to fix this but i'm working on it mm -hmm. so and that's part of my my growth i guess in terms of when i start being a husband and i will mm -hmm. throw this out there and then you guys take it wherever you want to but one of the things that me and one of my good friends did he actually led me to the path to do it but before he got married he went and got counseling on his own mm -hmm. so when i proposed and got married i was like you know what you know what let's let's go ahead and go do this and see if we can just Make sure that we can eliminate the get, get the fight instead of the flight, basically. So okay. learning how to work through those moments of whatever those normal signals are. I'm out. <laughs> like you don't want to be out. The value is there. Let's figure out is it something workable. And so I'm a, I'm a big proponent of you know go get counseling if you if you feel like you might need it, go get it. <laughs> counseling individually or as a couple, Jerron. Um. Well, I initially tell anybody, go for yourself first, because mm -hmm. um, you want to be the best you like. Again, I grew up where you have to be in control of your emotions. Not that you're emotionless, but you have to, your emotions, your emotions control life or death for you. So a yes. lot of times I'm more of, I think stuff out and I look at it like, is the decision I'm making now emotional <laughs> or is this logical? Like, where am I at in this process? So to your point, when you get married and you bring a person in, like the hardest part is I'm older than my wife. I grew up in a place where my thought process is very quick. Everything is very quick. So I have to learn that what I may be presenting her, I've probably thought about every possible direction it can go, everything that she's going to say, everything that's there, but she needs to have time to be able to express how she feels. Yeah. I, I may 100% know what she's going to say and how she feels, but giving her the space to do it. Yep. And so I had to learn. I had to learn that. Like I had to learn feel and things like that to be able to go into the idea of doing couples counseling and be effective in couples counseling. Because there's nothing wrong with counseling. It's just the fact of I know that I'm sane, <laughs> for lack of a better. Like, and when I mean that, I mean that like in sitting in counseling, the, the counselors would be like, I don't really understand why you're here. Like you adjust, like you adjust to the situations, you're balanced. And I'm like, that's cool. I get what you're saying. However, that's cool for me. However, I'm bringing another person into my life that doesn't, may not understand how I'm thinking. So I need to understand how to communicate how I'm thinking mm -hmm. and how to get those thoughts into like field statements. Because 
I'm telling you how I feel. I'm just not saying I feel this way. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is what it is. This is where I'm at. I don't understand why you don't understand how I feel. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think it's interesting because um, listening to your version, because I'm friends with, with your wife and listening to your version, she's kind of the same. She kind of felt the same way like all along. But I think it's interesting that you brought up that the single counseling and and before the couples counseling, because that moves us to like our next kind of subject. Um, that all is kind of involving like love languages, how you communicate and being better able to um, communicate those things to your wife or your significant other. Um, how early do you think is too early to either acknowledge or bring up the conversation of love languages and make sure you're communicating on the same level with your partner. I don't think it's ever too early. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, to the point that Duran made, you know, it, as, as a love coach, my, my, my work, like I said, is love your life, love yourself. And I've all, and, 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 you know, I've been trained in doing calling in the one, I have my own program reclamation. And what, it, when people hear calling in the one, they think that it's about how do I get coached to get a man? And, mm-hmm. you know, I always tell them that's, that's, that's the bonus because the one you're calling in is yourself. The work that I do with you is to make sure you have called yourself in to make sure that you are loving yourself the way you need to love yourself in order to be available to love someone else. You know, and it's not about, oh, there's something wrong with me or whatever. It's just that everybody has they every single human being on this earth has been impacted at some point in their life. And it shows up today at some point in their younger life. And it shows up today in some form or fashion. And it's not a good good or a bad thing. It's just what it is. So in some, it's about how you you might not start off in the beginning of a relationship and say, hey, what are your love languages? (laughs) You know, if that feels awkward, I do think that there's value in saying, you know, I really appreciate spending time with people. How do you feel about that? You know, uh, there's value in having these conversations with people very early on. So that way you can understand if you're even compatible. If somebody says, I love giving gifts and, and you love having experiences or I love receiving gifts rather and you love giving experiences. That's something you need to know early on. It's not to say that you can't make an adjustment, but you have to make a choice as to whether or not that is an adjustment you're willing to make. If you like your alone time and somebody's, you know, love languages around quality time. That's something that you need to understand very early on. So I think that these are conversations that we should have in the beginning. And and really, if for anything else, do it for yourself. There, you know, a lot of us don't even know what our own love languages are. So whenever we're having these conversations, I mean, sometimes it's really just a door to explore yourself and get getting to know what what how you receive love. Because if you don't even know how you receive love, you might be giving bad instructions because you've seen it on TV, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like flowers are the thing. Well, you know, you might not care about flowers. You might want to nurture plants. So, you know, there's there's different. I think that it's very important to have that conversation very early on. Well, I'll throw this in there. Can somebody make a love languages for black men? Because oh, I'm, like, I, and I'm gonna be honest with you, 
my wife brought up love languages, and I was like, yeah, I'll just pay attention to a person. Like, that was always my thing. Like, I'll pay attention to you and how you react and how you function. I'm still trying to grab, wrap my head around love languages and trying to figure out how I need to be loved. Like, it, there's a language gap for me in, 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 in the concept in which it's taught or the book structures. Um, my personal thing is, I'm trying that that on that one, just <laughs> understanding that concept. But I can speak for me and a large portion of my male friends. Like you pr- approach us with love languages again. I I grew up in Los Angeles and I don't know. Like you've never seen it, right? So it's hard to I I don't know. I'd like to talk to a bunch of black men and figure out how they are learning to communicate love languages because I struggle with that. Um, I get it because I can speak English and I can read, but. Just <laughs> how you how we present it. I, I don't have enough goes, sensitivity sometimes. I think this goes back to what you were saying earlier, um, um, individual therapy, um, or just individual sessions with an individual like Yomi, right? Where um, it's you have to break down what you're commonly taught as to be emotional. And start, it's, it's literally a way of changing your lexicon to express yourself. Um, and I'm, I am, and I am in, I am where you are. Um, I'm just working with someone that's uber emotional and working on understanding how she needs to be um, loved um, and then expressing to her how I like to be expressed as loved. So, like, you know, if it's just, yo, like, perfect example. If you told your wife, yo, pick up the sticks and let's play a game of whatever you like to play, that might be your love language. Like, it's an act- activity that you enjoy that she may also want to enjoy as well. You know what I mean? Um, it's a matter of what brings you joy and how can she contribute and, and Yomi, correct me if I'm completely wrong here, but I'm just coming from my point of stance. Um, what can she do with you that would make you happy and not necessarily always for you? Right. And that, that's, that's the only tweak I would put in there is that you're acknowledging that it's a gift, right? right? Like she does not ever want to play pixie sticks or whatever you no, no, no. Pick up, I said pick up the sticks. He likes to play video games. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, he likes to play video games. So if she pick up the sticks with him. That's she, a gamer's you know, lingo. You know, I didn't know what that was either, Yummy. Off I am. Uh, <laughs> so let's say she wants <laughs> and develops a, a, a calling a calling, uh, what, what is the game calling? Dude, call of duty, a call of duty avatar <laughs> or something, right? And it's it's the idea that she would do that for you, and I, it's like that's like you know to, you know it's just that's the tweak is kind of like being able to receive that oh she's playing with me for me, you know well, not think, just that she's playing with you. I think part of the problem is I don't know what that thing is because the video game like I played a video game I'm not a gamer like I'm just it's in the house and I'm gonna play it real quick. Like it's not something that's there. So I think, but I guess that's part of what I'm saying is that 
it's more so understanding me and what my needs are, I guess, in that love language box, kind of looking at it from there of what registers to me, because I'm of the mindset, listen, I'm happy you're here. You show me, you show me how you love and lets me know that you love me. I'm good. I am perfectly fine. I don't have a complaint in the world, but that doesn't fit in the love language box. So it's kind of one of those things of like, well, what's your get love language? Box. Get out yeah, the box. Get out the yeah. box. Get out the yeah, box. Get out the box. Yeah, don't yeah. Don't worry about the no, box. You're not limited to those five love languages. Like, yeah, you, uh, you know, I, I would just say. But what is it, Jerron? Like, what does she do to make to make you that makes you feel like she loves you? What is it? Is it does she just say it? Does she just sit with you when you're not feeling well? Like what? What is it for you that she does that you're like, my wife loves me? Um, my wife is the most caring person I've ever met. So mm -hmm. like, it's not, it's not any one specific thing. It's her being. Like who she is as a person gives me everything that I need as a person. So like, when do we get to these specifics of well, what's your love language? I don't know. I don't require a lot. Like you do everything that makes me where feel what I need to feel. I feel with you. So if anything, it makes me want to give you whatever it is you need. So like, I don't have a specific thing there where it comes into it. That's why I think I always get missed on the love language. Cause I'm like, I've never thought this specific about it. So now you, you want me to go find something. And I'm like, I'm happy. I'm like, I don't question happiness. Like that's what I've learned in life is if you happy, be happy. Don't worry about why you're happy. Don't go looking for happiness. I am perfectly 100% happy here. Hey, what can I do to make you? If you're not happy, what can I help you with? Because I'm good. <laughs> and when I'm not good, I will 100% tell you, you know what? Look, we do something, ain't, something's off. Because to me, that's part of my responsibility as her husband is we are in this together. So if I have a problem, I should tell you. Yeah. You know, don't let something linger. But it's just love language seems to be such the buzz. That I'm like, you know what? There's a million dollars for somebody if they could write one for black men. Like, just to be like, hey, brother, this is love language for black folk. <laughs> and then go. I think it's a Cliff Notes blueprint. It's like, let's just say my love language is quality time, which it is. And so, you know, spending quality time with me makes me feel good. So that's like your Cliff Notes version of what I like to do. So if anybody's asking you for your love language, it's basically asking, what am I doing right so I can keep doing those things? Because sometimes the way we go about love, like my significant other does not like compliments, but I love to compliment because I love experiencing him. And I wanna tell him, this is how I experience you. And I wanna compliment that. That's not, he doesn't receive love that way. So I can keep doing it and keep doing it and it, it's not how he wants to experience love from me. And me knowing that I can make adjustments, not to say I'm not gonna compliment him anymore, but I can make adjustments to, okay, well, he likes these things, so I can do more of these things. We don't always come equipped knowing or intuitively, even though we may be compatible, we may not intuitively know what you like. Right. Oh, so, yeah. But in her case, it's breathing. Like, who she was as a person, like, and, I, and I'm not saying that to just go into this, like, oh, the wonderfulness of love and marriage, but literally, the process I got to to find my wife, like, she checked, who she is checked every box for me. So mm -hmm. it really is, unless you have this major personality overhaul, 
like your day-to-day functioning and how you think, how you live your life is my love language. It makes me want to be a better provider. It makes me want to be the things that you need so that I can reciprocate what you bring to me. So, so that's why I say like, I get it when she tells me what her love languages are. I just have to learn how to deliver them. But for me personally, I'm like, look, if you breathing, even when she says she nags, I'm like, but you nag me about stuff for me to be better. It's not like you're just nagging. Like, did you take out the trash? Did you do this? So it's like, you don't even nag me. Cause it's stuff that I'd be like, you know what? I do need to do that. Like, it's not any of those things. So I don't know. I just always sit there and say, amongst my friends, either we don't know how to communicate it, we don't know ourselves, or maybe we just happen to find the right people for us, and we're good. Well, then that's good. So, so um, that's, that's interesting, because even with uh, different communication issues, even with all of the love languages and all of that, we still have, like, our habits. So... Speaking of buzzwords, um, our next question is, um, how do you define receipts and are they necessary? So I didn't actually understand that question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you give me a little bit more? Um, I was thinking receipts for housewives or is it? Yes. Okay. Okay. Why would you need receipts in your relationship? Okay. That's your question. Yeah. So, mm. I mean, so, okay, let me just tell you what I, what I'm hearing in this question um, mm. with receipts. If I'm, you know, bringing it in from the, from the pop pop culture, it's really having proof, right? If there, if you mm. said something, I can show it to you. I can prove it to you. Um, and it's normally in a negative way though, where like I have to have proof that, you did in fact say you did this thing and you didn't do this thing. And what that feels like to me is keeping uh, tally, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it feels very tit for tat. So <clears throat> if I'm thinking at it from just that pop culture um, conversation, that feels very tit for tat. But now there is another form of this where I do think that relationships are a bank so to speak, right? You know, mm-hmm. you've got to you've got to make deposits into a person before you can make withdrawals. And if you're making more withdrawals than deposits, you're going to leave that person on in, in the negative. Mm-hmm. The negative feelings about you. And Empty. and if and if you're just going back and forth, well, that's that toxic space where you're just holding on for years and you and you just managed to barely keep that account alive. So, I do think that uh, receipts could be necessary in that regard where you're, you are making sure that you're actually contributing more than you're taking away. Because there will be arguments. There will be a hurtful thing said. There will be a loss of trust. But have you done more to pour into that relationship than you have taken away from, or pour into that person than you have to take to take away from that person? Mm-hmm. So what if... Um... So you say it's usually like negative or like kind of keeping tally. What if like I'm just a corny person and I took a screenshot of the first time I was like, you know what? I like you. Save that to his folder. That's the first time. So is it necessary that like all the time, does that count as a receipt or is that just my my uh, my bank of uh, the love story? I think that's, that a, good, I think that's, a, that's a deposit. Actually, 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 that sounds like that sounds like the one note for the breakup note. I'm I'm not sure what you're doing right there. <laughs> no, I, 
look, I'm corny like that too. I'll be over okay. here like, oh, messaging so all the key, key conversations. Like, oh, on Friday at 2.23, he said I made him laugh. <laughs> I love that. And like, and, and you know what? That's actually, I think, a very key thing to maintaining relationships. Staying in touch with the good. Staying mm -hmm. in touch with the good times. Always like making sure that you can remember each other fondly, always thinking of each other fondly. You know, the way Jerron is like, I just love my wife breathing. And if he, if the more he says that, I mean, all she has to go is, and, 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 and his eyes are going to turn into hearts for eyes. <laughs> I mean, because that's, that's what it is, though. A lot of this, you know, a lot of relationship is mind over matter, it's just choosing. Mm -hmm. Right. And and choosing to have a complaint versus a criticism, choosing to to just let them breathe, choosing to to get over this little thing that they did, you know, uh, choosing to go back and look at that text message that he sent you six months ago so you could smile about him and then send him mm -hmm. another sweet message. You know, th mm -hmm. these are the like keeping that positive energy that that's reinforcing your relationship. It really does make a difference. Mm -hmm. I, I don't keep receipts. I don't <laughs> just be honest with you. Like, I don't. It's a robot. <laughs> yeah, no. I Well, the funny thing is, everything you guys are saying is something that I kind of adopted early um, in regards to. I told my wife, I choose you every day. Like every day I wake up, I choose to be with you every day. And so my thought process about that is, look, the world is going to be the world. Things are going to happen there we're gonna fight we might have a great day we don't fight but the reality of it is is that i wake up in the morning and i think this is the life i chose this is the person i want to be with so mm -hmm. in my in my moves today i'm my goal is to honor that you know and yeah. not fall short of that choice so like it's not so much that it's i guess maybe they there are receipts somewhere in that in the thought but i don't think about them in terms of what this special thing is, I think about it more of is there's a string of special moments that have taken place to get us to this moment today. Mm -hmm. So even if we argue and we fight, I'm like, yeah, this is a this is one moment in a string of great moments to get to this point of having an argument. Like I can feel however I feel in this moment, but I know we're gonna be okay tomorrow or we're gonna mm -hmm. be okay in an hour. So mm -hmm. I don't really like I don't think of them as being necessary because it, maybe this is the business side of me because I think about taxes. The more I pay in taxes, it means the more money I make. So <laughs> the more emotion you get out of me, there's a lot of emotion that built up to get to this point. So let's just go ahead and get through this space, figure out what we need to get to so we can get back to those moments. Again, I came in thinking about 50 years. So like, <laughs> you know, I'm, all, I'm counting down like that. Like we're three years in. Now, if I live 50 more years, I'm gonna be like 90 something. So let's make this happen. You know, like, let's see what it's like to be two 90 year olds living financially free, you know, and enjoying life. So I, I just don't think about receipts as being necessary. Maybe in a dating aspect, I may have thought of it more like she paid for our second date. And I remember I tell her all the time I called my friends like after that, I was like, man, listen, she paid for the date. Like I was arguing with her about let me pay it. And I realized I was a fool because they don't ever pay. So I'm gonna let her go on pay, <laughs> and now I'm like, hey, that was great. But I don't, I don't think about that moment other than in that moment of dating. 
where you start looking at like, oh, they did this, and you get checklists and checklists there to create the moment there. But once we became a couple, I stopped thinking about it because I was like, well, I'm trying to get to marriage now, so I don't really need any more receipts. I just need to see if we can build. It together. sounds to me that you're just kind of stuck on the languaging around it because yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. You know, whenever you tell her that you want that you choose her today, that is the deposit or that is the receipt. Whenever you called your friends, that was the receipt. That was mm -hmm. the deposit. Perhaps your love language is acts of service because that was the thing that had you go, this is this is the one. So, you know, it's I think right now you're caught up around the languaging of it when the reality is the reality. Somebody's doing something for you that you appreciate or they're not. There's more good things that they're giving you than they're taking away from you. There's like that 50 cents of the argument, but then the rest of the day is going to be $10. So you're fine. You know, so I just think for you, it's just the languaging around it. But it sounds like you've already implemented these things in some form or fashion. So, I mean, I just and I just make, make that point to for the audience, if for, for no other reason than that we're not saying, you know, that we, we can go, tap into what's being used in pop culture and we can tap into what we know in our hearts and we can tap into what our parents have told us. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, you want to give somebody and pour into them uh, more than you take from them. And you want somebody to pour into you more than they take from you. And what pours into you, look, that's different quality liquor. You know, I mean, you, you might get some taka vodka and you might get some Grey Goose vodka, you know, like <laughs> depending on what that pour is that day, you know, because your love language might be Grey Goose, but then they showed up with some taka. They still poured into you, but you just might not receive it the same way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, oh, I, I, you know. <laughs> I mean, I definitely well, can I, I think that's, agree that's with just key for the audience. You know, I mean, I, like I said, I, I get that you've got it figured out over there, but I do think that the audience should be able to hear that. You know, no, I'm, look, that I really, it really does sound like y'all haven't figured out. Like that's not being funny. You are married. Sounds like you are happily married, and I love mm -hmm. everything that you are saying about your wife. So I think that you're doing it, but just for the audience to hear, like you know, as we're putting these labels on it, that's what. Yeah. That's what it mm -hmm. And it's establishing rapport. Like you establish relationships by understanding what happened, what happened to you together as a couple and what happened to that person before they even entered into those relationships. And that knowledge is what informs you on how to relate to them. So it's, it's, like like Yami said, let's not define it as receipts. Let's define it as just how you itemize how you are in relation with someone. Just like and, and the training that occurs with that, right? So like in a simple instance, if I get too close to fire, it's going to burn me. So now I'm not going to get too close to fire. If I touch a certain subject with my significant other, they're gonna react in a certain way. I might bring up a trauma from a certain time. There might be something that happens that I don't like the response. So now I'm gonna redirect my response. And when I get a positive response, I'm gonna do more of that, which gave me a positive response. Now, equally, if I'm offended, if I'm hurt, if I'm upset, I now know and have those receipts on how to hurt and offend and disrespect. So it, in, a, in a relationship, you hold the keys, whether you use them or not, is, right. is probably what, what is indicative of the type of relationship that you're in. 
but we definitely all have receipts. That's how we relate to each other. So I'm, I'm glad you guys all answered that. Um, so commu communication is, is very key in um, building a healthy relationship. Um, so to the next part of this conversation, I really want to kind of ask Put you guys, back. what is, go ahead. Put that comment Hello? back. I'll put Somebody it in the audience said something good. This yeah. is from Becoming Brittany, a.k.a. Jerron's wife. <laughs> um, she thinks it's because receipts have a negative connotation. Uh, many times people think it's proof that someone's doing right. Wait, many times people think it, it is proof that someone's doing right instead of a ledger instead of, of interaction. interactions. I totally agree with you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always positive and it's not always negative. Receipts are all all the purchases, everything yeah. that happens. I like the way she phrased that ledger of interactions that bring mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Jerron, you did pick a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you got a winner. And so with that being said, I think we've gone down a great path of defining a relationship and what it means to us all. Um, how do we communicate within a relationship? And to this last section, um, I really want to ask the question, what are some things that you do to promote a healthy relationship? I think the one thing that we've said repeatedly um, in different ways is knowing your partner, I'm, I'm going to say it in another way, knowing your partner's love map. Right. Like <laughs> making time for you, for your partner outside of your regular day, making making emotional time for your partner outside of your regular day such that, you know, you can go to work and be focused and be intense. But you know that your partner has a doctor's appointment. And so you still shoot that text message and say, babe, thinking about okay. you, um, you know, just making knowing your partner. That's really what I'm trying to say, just knowing your partner, but knowing them deeply, you know, such that you know what those hot buttons are. You know what fire looks like with them. You know what it looks like whenever you go and get some extra love in that day. You know, just really <laughs> actually tapping into your partner and knowing, knowing them. I think that that's, you know, taking the time to create emotional space for your partner. And I would say, again, also just the way we... You know, I think one of the biggest uh, and we've had, you know, this we've tapped on this conversation before around like the way we resolve conflict or have arguments. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I've been told by people who've been married a very long time that you're not going to solve most of the problems in your relationship. But it's about how do you actually communicate with each other? And like, do you like you know, arguments can get big and ugly and dirty, but do they stay safe? You know, mm. that's again, kind of going to that place between that criticism versus that complaint. I can be mad at you for doing X, but am I about to like run you into the ground for, you know, and attack your character? You know, like how do we keep it as clean as we can, even though we're emotional? And I think that's, you know, making sure you keep, keep humor in and keep contempt out. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, pour, pour into people and, and, and ensure that you're being poured into as well. 
I think that's the other part, you know, making sure that you're taken care of. Because I think too often you start to focus too much on the other person and what you're giving and what you're not getting. And you forget to actually focus on what, what there is for you to request and what there is for you to do to take care of yourself. And so I think that these are um, areas for, uh, look, uh, to promote a healthy relationship. <laughs> um. I'm having a hard time with this question because I don't know if I do things intentionally to promote a healthy relationship. Um, similar to Jerron, I look to add value to my relationship. I'm always looking to add value to my relationship and I'm always looking for ways to create a safe space for us to be honest and to be vulnerable, but to also continuously talk about our, our needs, the things we enjoy and the things that we don't. I don't know if that is in essence, like going around about promoting a healthy relationship. Um, but those are the things that I, try to do to make sure our relationship is healthy. I don't know if, if I'm articulating the difference, um, but my objective is to add value. My objective is for some way, his life to be enhanced by me being in it. And for some ways, and to be gr grateful and show my gratitude for the ways that my life is enhanced because he's in it. Um. I'll say this. The only thing that I can say that I try to do is I don't care about being right. I just want to understand. So for me, that probably is the, the most beneficial thing I think I've done in regards to our relationship is I don't really care who's right because either way it goes, it's either going to benefit or hurt the household. So you being right, me being right, doesn't matter as long as I understand where you're coming from or you at least understand where I'm coming from, because I don't think we've talked about this portion of it, but in all relationships, you're two different people coming from two different places. So when you add age, um, life experience into it, there's still a lot that is just going to get lost in translation. You know, parenting, how you were raised versus things are, are completely different. So I think if anything, maybe it's listening, like listening to actually hear what the person's saying versus listening to respond. So in, the, in that space, I just really try to give her the space to be who she wants to be. Like, say, say what you feel. Don't worry about how I'm going to feel about it because we can talk that portion out. But if you don't feel that if you're able to say it because you're worried about me, we're not really working towards anything. We're just trying to kind of keep our, keep our gloves on, so to speak, and we'll keep going pity pat, pity pat. And then what happens, at least from what I've seen with friends, is you get 10, 15 years down the line and then you start throwing haymakers because those pity pats aren't really getting worked through anymore. So um, my thought process really, like I said, is who cares who's right? Let's just get to understanding because maybe we find that we're both right and we figure out how to move forward. So, so to that point, right, and to all your points, is this something you guys came up together or was this something that was influenced by a third party. I mean, um, and I think to your point, observing what other relationships are doing that you don't want to be part of your relationships or a therapist, a couples therapist. So are, are these things you guys have, you know, you and your mates um, in current or past 
come together to identify these are ways to promote a positive relationship? Or was it something that was kind of influenced by an outside entity? Oh, I was on my own. I did like, <laughs> well, I mean, this, I didn't start I thought thinking about the greatest teacher. So therapy. Too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, no. <laughs> but for me, it so, was wh- definitely you- just having been through the relationships and looking at what didn't work. Okay. Okay. Uh oh. I'm sorry. All right. Okay. So yeah, I mean, looking at what didn't work, what wasn't settled in me. And what I want to make sure I, I bring to my next relationship. And then just when I look at all relationships in general, you know, I think Jerron kind of said this, and this is what I, you know, I asked, you know, what are you committed to? You know, what is the commitment versus the attachment? You know, do you want this relationship or do you want, uh, you know, to, to win this argument? What are you committed to? And so for me, it was, it was having been in those relationships where it didn't quite work and, and taking what I've learned and, and putting it in action. For mine, I was mandated to in my relationship. He had done the work. He had done the therapy. He had been in a relationship where he did not feel valued, where he did not feel like um, he was appreciated. And so he demanded up front, listen, this is what I bring to the table. This is what I'm offering. I want wholehearted in, in or out. And this is what I'm demanding. And I just had to either get on board or um, decide that this was not the, the route for me. I don't think it was like a, 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 a um, like we came to an understanding together. I think it was demanded, but I respected the fact that he had done the work. And so I, I came in kind of like with an understanding yeah. that this is the role we're taking and, and I'm on board for it. Well, I'll just say success has a blueprint, failure has a blueprint. Um, my My thought process about my relationship was my parents, like, you know, watching what didn't work with my parents and really asking the whys, like getting as deep as I could into their relationship, talking to them kind of helped me understand Mm. what I was looking for, you know, kind of like, okay, well, where did this go wrong there? And then, you know, like you said, you have friends and just spending the time with the whys. Um, And I don't, like I said, it wasn't really any outside person I went and talked to directly. But you kind of look at all those different things and you say, well, at least for me, my role in being successful, at least my view of it is this. So if I have a good idea of this is the path towards success, then I can ad- we can you know, work and adapt everything else. But part of the search is finding a person who kind of fits with whatever your self-definition mm-hmm. of success is. So again, with my wife, like mm-hmm. I tell all the time, that's why it didn't take me long to figure out things with people mm-hmm. is because... I can, to, to, to your point, Jackie, I could walk into a relationship and say, this is who I am. This mm-hmm. is what I bring to the table here. So if what you're bringing doesn't fit with that, then yeah, I don't, look, I'm not going to dismiss you as a person because you are valuable to somebody. You're just not at that level of value to me. And it's a messed up way of saying it, but I was like, hey, you could choose to leave or stay. That's on you. But that's your choice. And so when it came to my wife, like I said, who she presented herself as checked so many boxes just on the preliminary scale, it made me say, I want to invest the time. And mm-hmm. it made, like I said, 
being who she is, just her being herself, makes me want to be a better version of me. And I knew that that was going to be important in terms of having, being a husband and being in a relationship is a person has to make you inherently want to be better. Like whatever, you could be the greatest person on the planet, but there's gotta be something in you that wants to push yourself harder for that person. Or you just get to this place where you're just like, oh, they don't appreciate it. Or I don't appreciate them. Or, you know, it just, it starts to go the other way. So I wake up every day with that push of like, my wife is awesome. I gotta like step up. Like, you know, like I, like for whatever that is in my mind, you know, Mm -hmm. not even for her definition is, but I'm like, I have to be harder because I think there's something that I should be providing, whether it's emotional, whether it's financial, whether it's something there, it's something in me that kicks in. And it's inherent. It's not me thinking about it directly. It's just, I feel this drive. And that works for you. And that honestly, and unfortunately, it doesn't work for a lot of people. Some people see other people's ambition and drive and it's exhausting. And it's it's a it's it's not something that they want. Like they they like to see it, but it's not something that they want for themselves to own it as a partner. And it's great when you can have an example. I'm glad your parents were still together so that you can have an example. Okay, they were horrible. They were okay, but that okay, but just so so just having a model of it. But I but so but from my circumstance, which why which which is why I was so willing to get on somebody else's page that understood where he wanted to go and what he wanted to be is because I didn't have an example of what a good relationship was like. My parents were never together. My grandparents were together 65 years and they didn't even like each other. I mean, they needed each other for survival and loved each other, but didn't like each other. And I don't have many relationships that I see visibly that I'm like, you know what? I really like what they're doing. So in order for me to figure out something, and I had in my mind of like my thoughts of what it's required of being in a good relationship, but I had never seen that manifested. I had I had all these visions of grandeur of how black a black man and a black woman can get together, and that's divinity, and that elevates, and this is and this is what it could be. But those are those are just my ideologies. I had never seen the practice of it. And I know I wanted the practice of it, so I manifest that in my mind so that it can happen in my relationship, but I still never had a blueprint for it. So like when you say, you know, having a blueprint for success and having a blueprint for failure, I have many blueprints for failure, many blueprints for failure, but I didn't have a blueprint for success. So now like coming into it in a vulnerable space is like, okay, you have a plan, let's get on your plan and then let's tweak it so that it, 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 helps me and it feeds me and it fuels me to want to be in it and continue in it. But, but I had to reject kind of a lot of the things that I saw from other relationships and just the fantasy um, of what a relationship should look like. So I can get to what meaningfully I know a relationship can be and conserve both of the people that are in it. Okay. So with that being said, what would you tell your younger self about maintaining a healthy relationship? Mm. Run. <laughs> like, I mean, it's time. Like, you get older, you start realizing the value of time. Like, our better way to say knowledge yourself. That's probably mm. the most important thing that I would tell myself is you know who you are. Act like it. That would be it. Because that's where your time gets saved. I knew who I was. So again, to, to just kind of back, back to pick up off of what Jackie was saying, I had enough negative 
to know that my path to success was just the opposite. If I just do the opposite of everything that I've seen, I got to move somewhere in the right direction. So I tell people, like, I've known who I was since I was eight. I just didn't know how to, like, always follow that person based off these new experiences that you go through in life. So I would just tell myself, like, look, you know who you are. Act like it. Like, if this, if this person seems to be crushing whoever you are, just stop. It's okay. You're going to be fine. It's okay mm-hmm. to be by yourself. And once I got past, once I got to that place, it, life got real easy. I mean, honestly, just the path of life got real easy when my path was just don't do what you've seen and you'll be fine. Oh. I would tell my younger self, stop looking for you in the form of a man. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's exact. like, yes, same. No, that was that was literally what I used to say. I'm looking for me only better. I'm looking for me as a man. <laughs> <laughs> and because I felt like men should have been better, it was only better. So that that was <laughs> Yeah, I literally would say that. I'm looking for me only better. Um I mean, maybe that is what I should tell her. Um but <laughs> but I, I would also just say is be be you, you know, um in that I, I, so I grew up in a Nigerian household where, where there was definitely a lot of emphasis on achievement. And there's also a lot, a lot of emphasis on being very traditional. And the robot was a little complicated for me to hold in one container. And so I think that... Um, it would be more about, you know, just actually trust your inner knowing and be who you are. Yeah, trust your inner knowing and be who you are and and not what you're supposed to be because I've been very good at doing what I'm supposed to do. Okay. And then, wait, did all of y'all talk to a little you? You all did. Okay, yeah. so. my answer was quick, but but I said it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm normally long winded, so when I can really get out a point real quick and let it go, then I just you know like to drop the mic afterwards. Now, now, what advice would you guys tell the audience um, towards maintaining a healthy relationship? Like, what would one nugget be that you would leave the audience with to kind of um, let, let's 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 let me revisit that. What's a nugget that you would leave the audience with to one um, work towards a healthy relationship and two um, um, ways to um, maintain your mental health within a relationship. I would say, and I, and I would have said something different if you stopped at the first part of your question and, and if it was just one thing, because if it's that one thing, then it's cliche, but it's communication. But the second part, to maintain your sanity in a healthy relationship, I would say um, exist how you exist existentially of whatever the mood is or the tone is or whatever. 
I'll give you an example. There are some times where my significant other has a perceivable attitude or does not is not like in a pleasant demeanor. And I'm feeling joyous and happy and fun and all that. And in my past, I might have been like, okay, I got to match that energy. You're not really feeling good or you're not really into it. So then I'm going to treat you like how you treating me. No, I'm happy. I'm a, I'm going to stay in my energy and stay in my vibration and stay in my space. And hopefully you meet me here because I can't create your happiness, but I also I shouldn't sacrifice mine because you're not in the same space. So if I'm having a great day, having a great moment, having a great time, I'm not going to either just like just be try to be away from you because you're in a different space. I'm going to live in my space. And if that means me singing in a corner or doing a little dance or whatever it is, I'm still going to exist in my happiness. I'm not coming down or separate because I won't say different emotions are higher or lower. I'm not coming to the space that you're in. So I would give the advice of maintain your joy, no matter what's going on around you. Um, just because he or she is mad doesn't mean you have to be mad too. If you're not mad, don't be mad. If you're not sad, don't be sad. If you're not, you know, angry, don't be angry. Don't just, if you are in a space that is healthy and is light and is airy, then exist in that space. Um, I would say for point number one, uh, and that was, what do you do to, to promote a healthy relationship? One nugget. And I would say that is make sure you have a healthy and complete relationship with yourself. And then point number two is exactly what Jackie said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to add. <laughs> yeah, that, that pretty much goes the same for me. It's check in with yourself first. Um, just make sure you're okay. And then uh, be human, I guess. Like, you know, just realize you're a human being and you're going to have emotions and feelings that you're, you have a right to have them. You know, I think a lot of times yeah. in relationships, people think that they can't be mad or they can't be something to the point, you know, be happy. If you're happy, be happy. But mm -hmm. yeah, just, just check in with yourself. The best thing you can do for your relationship is make sure you're in a stable place. Like, I think that that would be the one secret that I would tell anybody is if you're stable, there's a good chance that your relationship is stable because at least as a guy, you kind of, you kind of set a tone to a lot of times, you know, in your relationship of you're a, pro a protector, so to speak, you know, the thought is you're supposed to be a protector and provider kind of thing. So part of that protection and provision is we're okay. If you're in a panic state, mm. you're I'm here. We're okay. Let's talk and work it through. So I think for guys, I would definitely say, make sure you're okay. Like whatever it takes for you to be okay, do it. Whether that's going to get counseling on your own, whether it's couples counseling, whether it's sitting down with your partner, just make sure you're okay and you're dealing with you because you can't try to take on the weight of the world if you can't take on yourself, basically. Gerard, I think that emotional intelligence is so important. And I think in a world that is changing and that women are empowered to make more money and earn a living and sustain themselves, I think a lot of men are having a hard time figuring out how do they provide? 
and providing comes with emotional security as well. And it is actually in the point that we are in today, more important than financial security. Women are already financial secure. So you creating a calm, a constant, and a, and a deep understanding or just like just just a consistent understanding as to this is where we're going and creating the vision and creating the roadmap. And even if we're having an argument or a bad day, it does not deter us. It does not deter the full ship from sailing in the direction that we charted in. I think that is very, very important for men to understand and not just understand, articulate to um, their significant other. I agree with all of you guys' advice. And this has been like a great conversation just to listen to as, um, you know, I try to grow and all of that. I thank y'all so much for coming. I thank everyone for tuning in. Real quick before we leave, all of y'all. Um, so, let everyone know what's going on or where they can find you or what you got coming up. Um, I am at Coach Yami on IG. Um, on March 27th, I will be having a romantic uh, Black love conversation party with Jackie and the Royalty Project. Um, we'll have a co-host, Mr. Eve Andre, And so it'll be kings and queens having conversation about love and, and touching on some of the issues that we discussed here, reality versus fantasy. What are the things that we come into a relationship thinking a relationship should be versus what's available, what's actually out there and, and what can we really create and what are the possibilities and how can we redefine that? So that will be the conversation we're having on March 27th. Would love for you all to just be on the lookout, social media at Coach Yami at the Royalty Project. And um, I mean, I'll let Jackie also shout that out too. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's a great shout out. So we had, we have at the Royalty Project, we are a cultural enrichment initiative and our core focus is the mentor program. But in order for mentors to be better people and to continue to make sure we hold each other accountable, we have other events outside of just mentoring in order to, um, tackle some of the issues like we tackled here today uh, that plague or that should be celebrated within the black community. And the most major of those, in my opinion, is love. So as Yami said, we will, in our Black Love series, we haven't been be having a conversation about um, reality versus fantasy in regards to Black love. Yami will be co-facilitating, like she said, with Eves, another um, mentor. And it is a conversation party. So go to theroyaltyproject.com or excuse me, theroyaltyproject.org. If you go to .com, it'll redirect you to .org anyway. So either one is fine. And we are on Instagram, The Royalty Project. Facebook, The Royalty Project, um, and LinkedIn, The Royalty Project. And we keep our viewers and followers up to date with all the things, the amazing things that we're doing to empower our youth and empower each other. That's great. Um, you can find me at Critical Hustle. Uh, my company's called Critical Hustle. Uh, I do a lot of different things. Uh, one of the things that we're doing right now is we partnered with Prairie View to do our Prairie Views Cooperative Extension Program to do free webinars uh, this month. We've done it, it was called Pandemic Proof Your Business because mm -hmm. we designed it in like mid of last year, but it's designed to help small business scale. That a lot of business had issues transferring over to the pandemic. So we put together a marketing course to be able to teach them 
how things that they can do to scale their business there. Um, one of the things that I do directly is I do small business coaching or just business coaching in regards to helping businesses scale. Like I tell people, my goal is that you fire me. Like I don't, and I don't, I don't do, you won't deal well with me if you don't believe in your business because I don't, I don't want to help you at the very beginning of startup. It's more so you've gotten here, but you don't know what to do next. So it's a transitional period that goes into it. Um, the mantra for my company is motivating the highly motivated. So uh, ideally, that's kind of one of the things that I do. I do also do a, a streaming podcast every week called the Critical Hustle Happy Hour, where I let people get drunk and talk <laughs> about whatever subject matter we're talking about, whether it's love, whether it's business, um, different things. Uh, one of the things that I am working on now is, like I said earlier, like a financial literacy program, really just trying to explain how we spend the most money so we have money. We just don't know how to scale it, honestly, to get where we need to get to to make some of those bigger things that we see and really just stop chasing the, the multi-millions of dollars when you don't make hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's, there's a step to get there. So um, basically, you can follow me at Critical Hustle. I need to update the website. It's criticalhustle.com. But half this stuff is not on there. And I spend more time doing stuff than I do uh, web stuff. So that's it for me in terms of that. But at Critical Hustle, across the board, it's better to reach out on Instagram because that's in my pocket. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Y'all are y'all are all amazing people. I'm so excited to see all of y'all doing so many things. Look forward to uh, the Royalty Project's next love conversation. Everybody go ahead and register. And with that being said, we're done. Thank y'all for tuning in. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. As we sign off, we want to remind you that it's okay to not have your cheese on your cracker and that we are here to work towards getting there together.